0: Hey everybody, this is DJ Bethy here with you on No More Games Radio, and I would uh, like to introduce my partner in crime tonight, uh, DJ Miss T. Hey Tanisha, how are you? Hey Beth, I'm good, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And tonight we are so happy to have with us Brad Faschetti from LFO. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you
1: for inviting me, and thank you for um um, incentivizing this, sending that pizza to the house, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> well, we do what
0: we can <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so let 's go ahead and get started. Um, the first question we have is what made you first want to get into music?
1: I had a great love for uh, for hip hop music as a kid. Um, so I think the first time I thought about being involved with music is related to the hip hop world. As a kid growing up in a small town in New Jersey, I never really thought about a career in music. I, I wanted to be a baseball player, you know. But as uh, as I got older and started to get more interested in things within the entertainment industry, um, you know, my my first love was was hip hop. So that's that's how it started. Awesome. Do you
0: have a particular a particular group that started it out for you as far as hip hop goes?
1: a lot of stuff i listened to as a kid i still listen to um public enemy beastie boys were some of the sort of the initial um, impacts on me but um, i enjoy a lot of different um different artists in in that genre Um, but public enemy always kind of stands out to me as was one of the most important to me Uh okay
2: so how did LFO first form
1: So LFO first formed with Rich um, being a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid rapping in Boston, and and they nicknamed him the Light Funky One because he had blonde hair and blue eyes, but he could rap. And some point later, he connected with another Boston-based rapper named Brian, and they became the Light Funky Ones. Um, Meanwhile, um, I was living in... I grew up in New Jersey, and then I moved to Texas. And my brother, Bobby, worked for a guy named Lou Proman, who had an aviation company. And so, you know, I'd, I'd go down to Florida and visit and get to know things and get to know them. And well, Lou Proman went to a kid's on a block concert one day and was just astounded by, I think, the possibility of, to make a lot of money. And decided <laughs> he was going to make his own boy band, and um, he created the Backstreet Boys. Um, and so, like I said, I go down and visit and, you know, I go swimming with the guys and, and I never, never really thought about, you know, well, I should be in a group or these guys are going to be big one day. It was just like a bunch of guys hanging out together. Fast forward a couple of years and the Backstreet Boys start making waves over in Europe and, and I'm like 18, 19, like thinking about a career in the entertainment industry. And my brother said, well, why don't you move to Orlando? you know, and Lou's got a lot of things going on with the Backstreet Boys and maybe, you know, can help you sort of find your way. So I did. And um, I was at Lou's house one day and the doorbell rang and it was, it was Rich and Brian that came down to meet Lou. And that's, that's how we met. And actually, that's that very same day, Lou took us into his game room. And he's like, hold on, guys, I'll be right back. And he comes back with a guitar. And he starts, starts playing La Bamba and asking us to sing it. I'm like, why are you asking three rappers to sing La Bamba, you know <laughs> um, that's, how we, that's how we came together um and then um you know we started we started making some ways and traveled to europe and and um, um you know a couple, two about two years later we wound up parting ways with with Brian. and shortly after that devin joined the group and it was it was adding devin that. They got that um, sort of like the um, catalyst us getting signed to Arista Records with Clive Davis.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So Devin was like the special sauce.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had, we had made some waves, you know, we had modest success, um, but we we didn't we didn't have that big push from a major label, and so um, we showcased for Clive and. And then um Devin got into the mix and and that was I think yeah, I think that was sort of like the the last straw, like maybe the missing piece, the special sauce, whatever you wanna call it. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, his voice is amazing. I absolutely love Devin's voice.
1: Yeah, me too. It, it makes me cry.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Well, when it came to uh, making your albums, what was your creative process like as a group? Did you uh, sit down and do things together, or did you bring your own ideas and talk about it?
1: Yeah, we, I, we were not very collaborative. It really wasn't our thing, unfortunately. Um, a lot of the songs we did on the first album were songs that the label told us to record. Right. Uh, with some, like, you know, famous producers. Um, but yeah, unfortunately we never really had that experience of being very very collaborative in the studio together we, there were moments there was times but i think if we the three of us were together today we, we would we would handle it much differently you know right um and it's sad that we never really got a chance to in, in 2000 and, in 2009 we did a reunion tour and that was the tour where we actually became the closest as a group we we even talked about doing some collaborations and just felt better as, as like um, three guys who really love each other. You
0: know? Right. Well, I know that um, Danny Wood is listed as um, a producer on, on one of your, your tracks. What was it like working with him back then, and what, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, Danny Wood um, is a great guy. Um, he, he helped us uh, in our early, early days doing some production up in Boston, um he let us use his uh range rover in a video one time <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a good he's he's a good dude. i haven't seen him in a long time I, I corresponded with him a little bit on instagram i like his cooking show and <laughs> oh yeah i thought like, like he and all the guys are really trying to honor their mothers a lot you know yeah. uh, and uh i just enjoy seeing how much fun he and the other boys are having you know um they're doing such a beautiful job of spreading joy and peace and light into the world. That's yes. Really special. So I've, I've enjoyed watching this we're, rise that they have experienced over the last several years.
0: Yeah, we're, we're quite fond of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would say so.
2: <laughs> so um, what were your favorite songs to perform back then? And what are your favorite songs now to perform? Yeah,
1: I think back then we, we all really liked playing Baby Be Mine and West Side Story. Um, and those continue to be favorites. I don't really. I only do maybe mine when I do like the LFO story version, like the concert, which is like a long concert. When I'm doing these shows with the old town guys, we only, I only do you know pieces like 15 minutes worth. So, um, you know, Summer Girls is just one that the people just. I love the reaction to it. You know, and I know it brings people back to some a simple time and some special memories. So I, I always really enjoy seeing their faces or hearing their stories afterwards. You know.
0: That's such a fun song. Um, so if you were not in the music business, what would you be doing right now? Um,
1: well, I actually I actually am involved in another business and that's the church business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do work for a church um, and that's been extraordinarily gratifying, you know, to me to serve God and to serve his people and to be there for people in times of great joy, like weddings or times of great sadness, like funerals or people who are destitute, you know, help them to. Get a place to live, or food, or clothing. You know, for me, it's like when, when, when all is said and done in this world, you know, I believe that we'll all be judged, and I think the question that we're going to get as well. When I was hungry, did you give me food? You know, when I was sick, did you visit me? When I was naked, did you clothe me? And so, I want to be able to answer yes to those questions. So, it's been a great joy in my life to be able to to serve that way. And I try to bring a little bit of that spirit into who I am when I travel, when I go out and play these shows, like just being, trying to be really kind to everybody I meet and, and then bring some joy into the world when we play these shows and honor Rich and honor Devin and nurture the legacy and, and remind people that, that God loves them. And, um, so that's kind of a long, ver- long answer to, to your question. But <laughs> as far a as something, yeah, something other than, Actually, I'll, let's just leave it there. Yeah, let's leave it there.
0: Okay. Spread, le- spread love and level spread.
2: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned this earlier. Um, you just did the LFO story back in April. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend that. But what made you decide to do that? And how was that experience doing the LFO story?
1: It's, a, it's an idea that I had come up with that I really wanted to put together. Um, and then the COVID hit. And so I decided to try to do it as a live stream concert where we tell the story of LFO from 1974 until today, using our music, music that influenced us, music of the time, and telling stories throughout, um, personal stories of you know, how, the, how the record came about or what it was like at Rich's funeral and you know, things like that. So I had a, I had a, a band um was really seven six or eight six to eight pieces depending on the song and um the old lfo lighting director she she came to help with lights and the venue was provided by our old drummer uh, who works for a big a big audio company now and a lot of people just gave a lot of their time and their talent a good friend of mine is in a really famous band in brazil called klb kiko he um he helped me with all the audio and it was just a great it was just a great um, production. It was a difficult production for me. Like I, I left it feeling really sad. Um, so it was a very odd experience for me because it was very it was stressful. The day of the show was very stressful, a lot of technical problems and I didn't really get a chance to prepare myself, like like to like ground myself and prepare for the show and so um, it was a hard show for me, uh, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, but once I got a few days away from it and I was actually one who edited the video and got, got a chance to see it from the camera's perspective, as opposed to like what I could see, which was an empty venue, um, it felt better, you know, uh, yeah. but you know, why I do it, really everything I do relates to LFOs, to honor Rich, honor Devin, nurture the legacy. And it brings some joy right? to bring people back to a simpler time, to feel nostalgic, um, to have an hour or two of just feeling good.
0: What is the best advice that you've ever been given?
1: Um, you know, I, probably the best advice would be from the people that have sort of reached out to me over the course of my life to, you know, make sure I had a good relationship with, with God. Beyond that, I remember my grandmother telling me as a kid, oh always pay yourself first, ten percent to yourself first. Like it's savings, you know? Which I never <laughs> I never did. I never did. But boy. You know, it's like, you know, if when you're when you're like riding high, you think it's gonna last forever, you know? And so yeah. and you want to keep up with what other people have, you know, whether it's house, car, sound system. Security system, like all sorts of stuff that I look back and go, "Man, well, I, I wish I had that ten thousand back or that ten thousand back." You know, when you think it's never going to end, it's like, "Oh, no big deal. I'm going to make money again next year, and next year, and next year." And all of a sudden, it stops. You're like, "Whoa, that's not good." So, Grandma's advice, paying yourself <laughs> first, would have been something good to follow.
2: Okay, so I wanted to know, what are your three favorite LFO songs of all time?
1: Baby, be mine is my my top favorite song and um what's that story uh, what's that story let's see let me just look at the lfo list real quick make sure i don't forget something our uh, life is good i like that one that's one of my favorites yeah
2: okay yours um I love Summer Girls. That just reminds me of being 16, high school, watching TRL. I love um, I Don't Want to Kiss You goodnight. I love Devin's voice in that song, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I like Life is Good also.
1: Yeah, Life is Good this is a special one.
2: That's good. Um, also, any other favorite boy band songs? Is there any other that stand out to you? Or groups?
1: Yeah, I mean, O-Town play, does the song called Skydive. Uh, mm-hmm. context, which I think is really cool. Um, I always enjoyed the Backstreet Boys' song "Incomplete."
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good song.
1: And In um, Sync did a version of "Sailing" that was really beautiful a long time ago. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 98 Degrees probably um, their f- their first song, which I think was called "Invisible Man." Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was my first. Remember. I remember walking through the record store, um, and they their 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 CD cover or the single cover didn't have a picture on it, because I think at the time, like everybody thought they were like a like an R and B group, like a like an African American group, you know. Mm-hmm. Wanted to surprise people, I think. Like, whoa, those are that's four four white guys singing. White oh, guys, <laughs> you <know>? yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and. And so I remember I remember seeing that, that C D in the store one day. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, those those guys, um, as far as I'm trying to think, any more boy bands that are missing. Ninety O Town. We kids on the block. Um happy do not like hang tough for the right stuff, you know? Please don't no, go no. girl. Oh yeah. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did Jordan,
1: sing
0: that one. No, that's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Invisible Man, that was actually my first the first CD single I ever bought. Um, mm-hmm. So anytime I think 98 Degrees it takes me back that song. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have been on the Pop 2000 tour uh, with O-Town and Ryan Cabrera. Um, how's that going and uh where can people uh find you guys back out on the road?
1: Yeah. So the POP two thousand tour is, is a little different than a traditional tour, whereas we don't get on a bus and go for two months. It's like you you play for a weekend, then you go home, play for a weekend, go home. So we just we just sort of got that back up and going again um last month. And it's been great. So it's been awesome to be out there with the guys. Um, I feel like with each passing show, we become closer, more like a family, you know. And the fans have been just tremendous. Uh, the love and support they shower on me is really just humbling. It's, it's hard to describe. Um, I don't. We haven't talked about it in in this interview. I'm not sure if you guys will talk about it beforehand, but. For those listening that don't know, LFO consists of three guys, Rich, Rich, Richard Cronin, Devin Lima, and me. And we lost Rich in 2010 after a battle with leukemia. And Devin and I, you know, we stayed in touch because he was my best friend. He he lived with me, and uh, we continued to do work together. Um, Like I said, I did a solo record on him. We did uh, some side projects together. He sang with me at church. In 2016, we were invited by Jeff Timmons, uh, many degrees, to do a cameo on one of their shows. He was texting me one day saying that he was they do a little honor of LFO. I said, oh, if you ever want Devin and I to do a cameo, let me know. And he goes, all right, pick a show. So we flew up to Coney Island, which is where we shot the Summer Girls video. And um, we got jumped on stage for about 30 seconds, and the crowd gave us a great reaction, and I remember walking up a stage looking at Devin and going, wow, well, that was a cruel joke, you know? <laughs> and, uh, a couple of days later, I got a call from an agent asking if we'd consider bringing LFO back out on the road. And it wasn't something we ever considered. So, you know, we discerned it, prayed through it, and decided to do it. And we had a great tour in 2017. We, you know, we honored Rich um, and, again, spread some joy. And a month after the tour, Devin got sick and was diagnosed with cancer and a year later he was coming you know my best friend so for sure at that point I said well that's it I mean what, what more can I do I don't want to go out there and try to play those songs alone you know yeah um but then I was invited to be a part of this pop 2000 tour uh, the first ones were actually where I was hosting the show and then during the Old town set we did a little LFO medley and um yeah, it was really an emotional experience, but but beautiful. And I've just become part of that tour. And it you know, it depends on the date, but typically it's either Lance or Christian Sank, Brian or me, O-Town. Uh, sometimes Mark McGrath from Sugar Rays on the tour, who he was a beautiful human himself. Um, so it's it's been a great and, and rewarding experience.
0: I know I I've, I've read an article um recently where you were were interviewed um and you were saying that keeping this going um as the remaining member but paying homage to your band members was an unfortunate honor um and that phrase really struck me um so i just wanted to say i i think it's amazing what you're doing that you keep this going um and it's a a beautiful tribute to them yes Um, i just think it's very amazing that that you're still that you're still doing it
1: yeah i i I appreciate that i that's the sentiment that I that I hear from 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 the fans. It blows my mind to be honest with you. You know, because it's like I wasn't sure if they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what is this guy doing?" Like, what? Like, just just it's over now, dude. Call it a day. And there's some that they get a few messages like that, but ninety nine point nine nine percent of people are like, "Thank you for doing this." And thank. Mm-hmm. Why are you thanking me? I thank you for caring. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's been awesome. It's, I love hearing the stories. Uh, people share their own stories of loss with me, you know, or they yeah. share a story of what LFO meant to them or uh, how they discovered LFO. It was always fun to, to hear those kind of things. So, so it's an interesting life. Uh, I gotta say yeah. it's, it's, it's been an interesting one. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I just have a lot of gratitude for the blessings that have been bestowed upon me and the people have shown love and support to me from family to the fans no?
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay well thank you well thank you for for what you do and for the music that you give us yes and, um like you said it's it's a wonderful thing when when you can go to a show and and give love to people and make them forget about their world for just a little bit that's a wonderful thing especially right now um with so much uncertainty in the world and you know, all the stuff going on. It's it's a wonderful experience to be able to enjoy music and, and that you guys are putting it out there for us. So thank you.
1: Well, thanks for the kind words. <laughs>
2: okay. So yes, yeah, so that's all we have for you today. Um thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: Got it. Did I don't, did you say you guys wanted me to do like a, a station drop or or Yes.
0: No? Yes. Absolutely. So,
1: that you want me to say I'm Brad up and you're listening to No More Ines Radio? Or? Yes. Yes.